0: Assalamu alaykum and welcome back to Hijabi Culture. The podcast that celebrates hijab-wearing women who are challenging stereotypes and helping change the narrative of hijab in the media. My name's Halima, I'll be your host and I'm so excited to bring you this week's episode. Thank you so much for coming back and joining us on Hijabi Culture. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. But before we get into it, I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you, the whole Hijabi Culture community for coming back episode after episode and joining us in the new season. Recently, well, it only came out last week or the week before, but I watched my Spotify wrapped and I couldn't believe it. I honestly could not believe the stats and figures that I was seeing. So thank you so much to everybody who's joined us. 83% of my audience came just this year, which is insane. And to say that the UK, the US and Mexico, India... Are my top rated countries where most people listen to hijabi culture? I've never even been to the U.S. I've never been to Mexico. I don't even know anybody in those countries. So it's insane to say that people there actively listen to hijabi culture, which just shows that this is something that's universal. It's international. Hijab-wearing women are discriminated everywhere we just want to champion each other. So I really, really appreciate every single one of you. If you can share it with somebody, I'd really appreciate that. But thank you so much for making hijabi culture what it is. And yeah, let's get into this episode. The guest that I somehow managed to bag for this week's episode is Maria Idrisi, And I'm so, so excited to be able to share her story and just have this really honest conversation with her. Growing up, I said to so many people, before I said I was going to be a journalist, I said I was going to be a model, I was going to be an actress, I was going to work in the industry. And it didn't happen, but mainly because we didn't see that representation and we didn't know how on earth we'd get into those fields. And this conversation with Maria just was really eye-opening and I'm so excited for you guys to hear how she got scouted and the impact that she's had. Who knows, the little things that you do, you might overlook them, but when you hear the impact that they have, it can take you back. Maria's campaign for H&M inspired or pushed a store in France to hire hijab-wearing women, which is completely insane, but it just shows how important representation is. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. as alaykum. Welcome to them. How are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Oh, so just- um, yes, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I've wanted you on here for so long, so thank you so much for saying yes.
1: Oh, no, thanks for having me. So do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, sure, sir. i um, Maria Idrissi, I'm a model, uh, I guess humanitarian, and um, I write as well. But um, I haven't, I'm, I'm working on something I haven't put out yet. So it's kind of in the, in the background. <laughs> so if we start off um, with the first part, so you said you're a
0: model. So how did you get into that space? Uh, I, was,
1: I was just scouted in a shopping centre actually in 2015. So um, I used to work in this children's shop and a woman called Coralie, who's got her own uh, like casting agency, came in and then asked to take a photo of me. I thought okay why obviously and she um, she said she's a casting agent and because well my background really what I was studying and looking to get into was, was film like screenwriting and producing so I thought oh casting like for film you know it's all in that, that same industry and she's like no no I do model casting and I was like oh all right you know why not um, I didn't think anything of it and then the first job that came through was H&M I still didn't think anything of it because you know I just thought I'm going to be an extra in the background and um, and then the, obviously it, it blew up as a campaign, and um, there were just headlines saying Marjorie C, the world's first hijab-wearing model. And I was like, really? So I'm like googling because, you know, you, you think it's 2015, and even though I wasn't in that space, I just assumed like surely something like this has happened before. But um, it, it apparently it hadn't. And um, and then I, I got signed to a modeling agency, which is also like one of the the first times an, an agency actually hired a woman for their board that wears a hijab so it all just was like a domino effect after that and I started to see the changes in the industry not just in fashion but film and media the same year I think I think or the following year Nadia Hussein came out as well so it's like great this is a this is a time <laughs> for all the hijabis to come through and um and yeah like since then I've just been working as a model and um I do public speaking panels all of that stuff just the message around like modesty and modest fashion
0: Yeah, I remember you, the first time, one of the first times I saw you was on the cover of The Fashion Paradox, the book um, about Ah, what is fashion. And I thought, oh my God, who is that girl? And then I did some stalking and I came across her Instagram and I thought, oh, wow, like it's a hijab wearing model. And a lot of us, when we were growing up, we were told that there were some career paths that we just weren't allowed to follow. Modeling, Mm. film, TV, that kind of stuff was just completely off the table. It wasn't something that you could talk about and it'd be a realistic career option for you. So how did you kind of break that barrier of when you said you were studying film and TV? What was that like as a
1: hijab wearing person? So I really wanted to get into drama. so I did drama in in college, um sorry in school and then in college I did art and design. just I was just a creative so I'm just exploring while I'm young all the different areas of the creative arts seeing which one sticks best. and um, the one thing that I did consistently was was write. I always wanted to write stories and eventually films. But my talent, let's just say, or the thing that I guess my profile would have been recognised for, I expected it to be in film as an actress, but then I started to wear hijab. So this is because I started to wear hijab around like 17, 18. So the early teen years, you know, I had all these dreams. And then when I put hijab, I was like, what? Well, that's that's that over then because there's no one on screen in hijab. Unless you're like auditioning for terrorist wife number two or whatever. <laughs> so then um, I just, uh, that's when I'm, Thought, well, for uni, I'm going to study English and history, get into screenwriting, still work in the the kind of space I want to be in, but just change the type of work I do. So then, um, I mean, it wasn't really with my family and stuff, it wasn't really an issue. that For them, it's just as long as you're doing something you enjoy doing and you're passionate about it, and um, it's nothing, you know, of course, like haram, <laughs> you know, no industry, you're not going to be selling alcohol or whatever, uh, it's all good. So I did, I, I, I had my support. Um, from from family as well, and you say that going
0: into it, it was when you put the hijab on that you thought, oh these things are closed off to me now like I'll pursue it, but it won't be in the same format. Mm. And then you became a model. So what was it like being in that industry as a hijab wearing person and then the like one of the first people to break
1: that barrier? um in terms of in fashion? yeah, so I mean it, it was it was obviously it was different for me because it wasn't something out of all the creative spaces i i never tried to pursue anything in fashion that was the one thing that i didn't try to to go into so it was a very different industry for me but because you know it's still very artsy and i still i'm a girl i live in london i like fashion so it wasn't something that uh, was really alien to me but the actual industry itself was something brand new and um you know going to spaces and there's there's no hijabis at all you know I mean obviously there's Muslims but you can't always tell so then you do feel like wow I'm I'm really in a, a different environment and I, I look different but I didn't ever see that as like a, a weakness I just took it as okay well alhamdulillah this is something different for them for me and um, as long as I try my best to represent you know my faith and my beliefs in the best way then it's like an indirect dawa in a way because you're just you're in environments where people don't really know much about Islam and they want to tap into again, that the Muslim market and stuff. So you become that person, the go-to. And of course, then I started to realize, wow, there are so many more Muslims. It's just, they don't, it, you know, wear it on their head basically. So you can't tell. And that's, and that was really nice as well to start connecting uh, the dots more in the industry. So, and I think for them as well, it probably made a lot of Muslims feel more comfortable being open about being Muslim because now, you know, wearing the hijab or being a visibly, noticeable Muslim you can't hide from it whereas if you if you don't show it then you can always kind of get away behind the scenes so I think for them it was like a relief too it's like yeah I can talk about being Muslim I can go and pray and not feel uncomfortable because now we have Muslims that everyone knows are Muslim in the industry too. And
0: going into those spaces as a hijab bearing person did you ever feel like maybe that's a step too much in that direction or did you ever feel like or oh, maybe the
1: hijab doesn't work with this industry have you ever had those thoughts yeah definitely like in the beginning I'd say the f- in right in the beginning when they said you're a, I'm a model and I was like wow even for me I was like that sounds ironic <laughs> <And it's> like, <laughs> <you're>... <laughs> so initially I was I was kind of like battling whether I even wanted to push like push being a model necessarily like it was more like okay there's i've got this microphone to talk about i guess muslim women issues and you know all the other kind of stuff around muslim women that they're just giving me a microphone to talk about but in terms of being a model number 1 i was questioning it and i think even the industry was questioning it because until only about maybe a few months later six months later or however long then we started to see more hijabi models emerge but for that first initial phase it felt like we were all confused so even the modeling agency were like, like what do, we don't know to, what to do because um, we've never had a situation like this where there's all these criteria. You know, you can't, like and I said from the start, I don't feel comfortable doing runway. Um, just personally, I was like, with doing a shoot or a campaign or whatever, there's a story or something, a message attached, and it's just like a still image. But walking down a runway, I just felt a bit, I felt like literally the only purpose of me doing this is to be looked at. And that's where I felt like the irony wearing a hijab didn't fit for me. Um, I did once. I did it. I tried out. That's when I felt uncomfortable. And I was like, yeah, never again.
0: <laughs> yeah, because so many people, when you say modern, they say, oh, but is a hijab the buffet supposed to be covered? Nobody's supposed to be able to look at you or see you and you're putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. But I and a lot of people say that to a lot of people like using social media, like oh, you can't have social, be on social media or be an influencer and then say you wear hijab because everybody's looking at you. So what was it like trying to keep those voices away and kind of stay true to the part of modelling that
1: you did enjoy or want to be part of? So for me, everything I do just has, it has to connect back to some sort of purpose or it has to be substance. Otherwise it just feels like it's just, a way to make money or you know and and there's other ways of doing it where it doesn't feel like there's any questioning in it so why would I choose something that is could be considered a gray area so then I made sure that like if if I'm recognized for modest fashion then even if I'm not 100% wearing the hijab in the best way or you know representing in the best way or whatever at, alongside what I do I want to make sure that's where the charity work comes in that's where the public speaking comes in so it's more than just being looked at with a hijab and then this I guess in the beginning um because it re- it wasn't really there and there was so much negative media around Muslims it did help to kind of counteract like hey you know there's a bit of balance <laughs> But then now it's out there, it's recognized. I mean, I'd say for most people, at least living in the West, it's not like, oh my God, I've never seen a woman in a hijab doing a career like this. It's become more normalized. So I feel like what's the next level up now? Because if we keep using the excuse of, oh, I'm doing it to represent, it's like, okay, we're represented. <laughs> you know, it's not just about representation. It's like, pos- like doing more with that position. So for me, it's, it, it's not enough to just like model. For me, yeah. Yeah, no, I completely yeah. understand that. And a lot of
0: people are currently, we've got like this debate going on about representation and whether it matters in hijabi communities. And uh, it, should we be seeing these um, Muslim women who wear hijab doing all these jobs and people are making a big deal about it um, and uh, drawing lots of attention to it. But... I think once we've got that representation and we say okay that we've seen somebody in that field it's what can you do now to empower everybody else who's maybe coming up the ranks or who wants to do something or wants to shine a light on something that people in their field and hijab wearing people in that field might be struggling with or wanting to overcome
1: Mm. yeah Um, I I was I was going to say as well I think like I guess everyone's different too like from you know, Allah doesn't test you with more than you can handle. And the way we're created, it's like there is a connection in our personalities to like our what we do. And I feel like for some people, if it's simple, where I just want to earn a living doing something I enjoy doing and that's it. And even though I'm a Muslim, even though I, whatever, I don't want to carry that with me. And that's, you know, if that's everyone's each to their own, that's fine. And then there are some people who are more, inclined to like okay I have a responsibility and I need to do something for my community and then that's good too so it's like it just really depends on the type of person you are I guess and obviously fashion is such a big
0: space and it's something that is part of every culture and it's international and it's such got such a big market so when we talk about hijab and being in the fashion industry have you ever but like, I'm not going to work for this company or this brand, or I'm not going to go to this country because their attitude towards hijab doesn't align with my morals and beliefs.
1: I haven't had um something I feel like with the hijab. Maybe if it was more to do with like morals and stuff, you know, I've been asked to do like music videos, and like just to feature in them, and certain things that I just said, oh no, it doesn't, it doesn't suit, you know, my brand, or who I am. My morals my values whatever but in terms of like a brand that has been like negative uh has had like a negative uh, image of the hijab not not that I can remember I don't think so because I was just going to come on to say like Paris Fashion Week like that's a really big mm. mark on
0: everybody's calendars but obviously France have come out and they've they've been quite Islamophobic over the past couple of years and now they're outwardly banning abayas and schools and you can't wear a hijab um well olympians going their olympians going into the olympics can't wear the hijab so i just thought maybe like working in france and paris or anything like that if you'd had a crossover Mm.
1: i haven't i haven't done paris fashion week before actually i don't really um i've done new york and london but i haven't done milan or fashion uh, or paris so i haven't had to be in that situation to um like to say no or anything yet but I, i don't i don't know i think on one hand um I guess the 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 government and then Fashion Week, they're, they're two kind of separate entities, even though, you know, there's, there's crossovers and stuff here and there. But generally, because there's such a big Muslim community in France that's obviously still live there and still wear the hijab and stuff, it, it just, it really depends on who's inviting me and what it's for and, and all that stuff. And that could be anywhere in the world. I would just have to, like, do a bit of a background check. <laughs> and, you know, it's really hard sometimes because even... You, you might do all the checks and then a week after your campaign comes out, something comes out about them and it's like, oh, what can you do?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, like with a lot of things, no matter how much double check, they can hold things back until a certain point and exactly. then information can spread after the campaign. Um, but yeah, so if with you, I always thought modeling fashion and hijab wearing people in that space. So what does... Uh, and a big part of that is like, how does hijab link with identity? So, what, part, mm. what does that mean for you, hijab and identity?
1: For me, it's definitely a big thing because, um, well, I never, I, I, always try to make sure that the essence of the hijab is still a talking point, and it's not just about the fashion side of it. Because, I mean, it's like, why else would we wear hijab as Muslims? Because we're Muslim, you know. It's not, it's not for fashion. And sometimes that does get lost in this industry where it's like, we want to take the hijab, but we don't want to take the Islam that comes with it. And obviously, I don't agree with that. I feel like, it, it, in a way, it's like, we can even appropriate our own culture and our own beliefs and stuff if we have that mindset. But again, then it, on the other hand, I do like this battle of, well, everyone's different. Not everyone wants to be like an activist or you know a justice fight or anything. Some people just want to be a Muslim and live their life and do what they do and and enjoy it and and then it becomes really difficult because I don't want me or anyone to come across like judgy or like attacking someone because they represent something that's obviously so important such as you know your faith but they don't do anything to support it when they have a platform and it's it's like anything you know something happens in the world and it's like you have a platform you should talk about this thing I'm like I don't know what was happening in Peru or wherever. It's like I can't keep up with all the you know, current affairs and world politics. Um, so it is, it's a tricky one because I, like, I do feel, if we're going really like back to basics, I do feel overall that if you have a platform, whoever you are, there is an element of responsibility to do good with it. Because if you're not doing good, then you're doing harm. There's, there's not really a middle ground. There's no coasting in life. It's either you're going up or you're going down. So I do think, like, naturally, there should be something um, positive you give back to the world. It's kind of like a appreciation, you know. It's people that help you get, of course, Allah first, but, you know, people's support help you get to the place you want to be. And if there's nothing in return back to the people, it just feels like a leech. You're just absorbing everything, just taking, taking, taking. And there's this natural expectation, I think, from people that support you that, we're putting you, we're lifting you up so that you remember us and can help Mm. us in our problems. And if you don't, then it just feels like, you know, you're just leeching off people in a way.
0: And I think that can be said for a lot of people that we found on certain platforms that once they get to that certain level and they've built up this whole community, it's kind of like they throw their community to the side and Mm. they kind of just want to do what it is that they want to do, but they couldn't achieve because they didn't have that platform before um yeah and a a lot of people speak about that kind of side of being an influencer and being in that space um and then it's losing that identity that core value within you that made you unite with this whole space on the internet and these people who were looking for somebody who was like them Mm, so so, how much of that would you align? Like, part of your brand and part of who you are is authenticity and sticking with, having to stick with what you put out there.
1: It's really, yeah, it's really important because um, obviously you don't want to come across like two faced or fake or whatever. You know, you want to you want to ensure that. And also, it's easier to just be yourself as cheesy as it sounds than it is to try to be something else. Like, it's just way more easier. So, I don't, I don't see why people would try to be something that they're not when it is easier to just literally you know well in my opinion obviously I can't speak for everyone it's easier to just be yourself Um, and I think different industries as well like I guess back to that whole responsibility and and for your community like if if the thing that you do just naturally attracts like fame and attention say for example you're a director, a film director so it's not that you necessarily want to be this influencer or this you know public figure for your community you're just you're just doing something you enjoy doing and it's attracted that then it can become a bit different i think out of courtesy it's still good to give back to do good because it's always good as you know as muslims our philosophy to just be conscious of of being generous and giving serving people but i wouldn't say it's the same uh the same kind of um i guess importance as if you have used people and you're not necessarily it's not like a a skill or a craft that you're doing that's just attracted attention you've needed the attention in order to then do something you want to do and then you don't do anything for your community or your people that's where i can see the bitterness that you know a community can have towards someone in in some in to some degree even though they shouldn't we should always like as muslims like if we're going back to you know we should always make excuses (laughs) you know but
0: yeah and uh, just uh, talking about identity and authenticity to your brand, when um, I was just scrolling through your Instagram and um, I came across the video, the little sketch that you did about uh, a woman coming into the workplace and trying hijab on and the kind of barriers and attitudes that people have towards you Um mm-hmm. And just linking that back to uh, like going for so many people that happen so often that they decide after a period of time that they're going to put their hijab on, they're going to go into the workplace. How, mm. Do you have any advice on, to them or can you, whilst playing that character, did you think of any kind of feelings that these people might be going through that it could help them out with? Mm. It,
1: is, it's, it is a tough one because I haven't been in that situation. So I was just acting a character, but it was based on someone's real life experience that they had and, um, and it's horrible because it's like, on one hand, it's like, this is my livelihood. I need to do this. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, Islam and my relationship with Allah comes first. So it's like, a, it's a battle. But I think when you have like a confidence in whatever it is that you do, it's a little bit harder for people to attack you in a way. If, if you are already clearly like uncomfortable or like conscious of something, it's almost like you're showing a vulnerability, and then people will prey on. Like they'll see you as a prey and, and act as a predator. basically. I, in my that's just what I think. Because when I was going to initially in the beginning of my career, when there wasn't anyone really like that I could connect with because they're Muslim or whatever, um, I would I wouldn't take that as like oh I feel uncomfortable or a bit insecure about being here. I'd be like no this is this is fine. Like I'm gonna people ask me questions i can educate them inshallah you know um i wanted to to almost do the opposite where it's like i feel comfortable being here and it is hard but i think when you have a bit of that attitude it does make it harder for people to then tell you what to do or um, what not to do yeah and
0: I think what you said is so important that it's being confident and showing that confidence that I've just, so what if I'm wearing a hijab? Like this is just another part of my Islamic identity. But do you, I just wondered if uh, if you had like an opinion on this on why that identity of hijab is so alienating and why people find it so off-putting from the start. Do um, mm. you had any thoughts on that? Like when you go into an industry and you're the first person there, Obviously, not everybody's going to say, "Oh, it's just a positive thing that we've got so much diversity, so much inclusion." But Mm. what about diversity and inclusion under the scenes? Of how does that actually feel?
1: I think we've still got the like, it still exists, of course. You know, Islamophobia and like negative portrayals of Muslims, it still runs deep in people's minds. And so, even if you know things are trying to change around um, the way that Muslims are portrayed and stuff. It's still in the back of you know, it's still there in people's minds, and I mean that could be one possibility. Another one could be um, just a lack of understanding of of Muslims in general. So certain environments in in certain parts of the industry, you know, are not always the most wholesome or the most uh, have the most substance to them. It can be very just superficial and um, you know, toxic at times and. I think sometimes it can maybe potentially it makes people uncomfortable because wearing the hijab represents it represents Islam and that represents God, you know. You're you're literally representing the fact that you're a, a believer in God and in certain places where that's not necessarily supported or believed in, then I think maybe that could be a possibility. It just makes people feel uncomfortable, you know. It's, yeah.
0: Yeah, and going into this industry, what and having been in it for quite a few years now, coming up to ten years, uh, what's the biggest and best experience that you've had from everything? What's the one opportunity that you've said you've done and thought that was the best moment of my life?
1: Um, do you know? What? I've had a few. I've had a couple like really cool things. Um, I mean, the charity work for me. Like the first trip I went to. Uh, Uh, With help your team to Kenya, that was amazing. I went like I went to Kenya, Somalia, and um and Ethiopia, so that was like wow. You know I'm actually finally do because I went just to produce content for the brand. That wouldn't have happened if I hadn't you know built the platform and created content and all that stuff. So I just thought this is incredible. You know the access I have to the places that I'm going. It's it's you can't pay for it basically. (laughs) It was amazing, but and at the same time on the fashion side, I actually really enjoyed doing a cover shoot for Emirates Woman in Dubai. That was a really good time as well. Like I had so much fun. The team was great. It was really hot as well, which is hilarious because we're doing like autumn winter in about like, 40 degrees. So I had like cashmere jumpers and woolly hats and stuff <laughs> for a shoot um, and it was really hot. But that it was just a, it was just a really great experience.
0: And did you find the world of fashion in the UAE different to that of like London and New York and what you're used to here?
1: um yeah in in terms of like when you go shopping and what's more normal in terms of what you wear it's it's different because it's modest It's, it's a lot more modest it's a lot more easier and um even like doing shoots and stuff I think everyone knows whether they're Muslim or not they have a better understanding of what modest fashion is and what the requirements are to cover up so I think it's easier in that respect but I mean the industry as a whole in terms of like just fashion and it's it's still pretty the same it's not too different and working in fashion and being like part of that lifestyle and
0: when we talk about modest fashion and what are your thoughts towards modest fashion on the high street like do you find that them two they link together or is it a marketing ploy what are your thoughts on that Modest fashion in the high street
1: Uh, i mean you're seeing it a lot more now where even in primark they put the hijabs on their dummies and stuff their mannequins (laughs) which is fun so um it's it's definitely evolved from like when I was growing up just starting out wearing a hijab um and I think again trends have also consistently had like some element of modesty to them just in general with or without Muslims being involved just the general like trend um in fashion has been you know relatively modest for, for quite some time so that's I mean that's like that's interesting. So I don't find it. I find it easy to to style now. Like back in the day, it was more challenging. But now, I don't really think there's the same demand for like specific modest fashion brands. I think they still, of course, definitely there's a purpose and um, like it's great. The more the merrier. But it's not like what it used to be, where literally we had to constantly layer. We had to constantly like get things made longer or this or that. Um, now I I do find it a lot easier to shop
0: yeah I think we're all going through that positive midi MIDI dress phase yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah I think you talk about so many like important points but if you were talking to somebody who uh, wanted to go into your field and they were just putting their hijab on what advice Mm. would you offer them
1: I would, I would ask them why, like, with, but with, in general, I ask anyone why. I ask myself why. That's how. That's what's helped me, you know, keep focused on certain goals and, um, and and channel everything I'm doing into a main, ultimate goal, basically. Because if you don't know the why, then you can't connect all the pieces together. And I would always just, I'll just ask them why, because it's like what, what, being a model. I mean, everyone's why could be different. But for me, I look at it as it's a way of facilitating the other work that I want to do that actually has, I guess, more substance and more meaning to for me. But for someone else, it could be like, I really, it's my journey, my personal relationship with the hijab has been a struggle and this is a way of helping me keep it on and enjoy wearing it. It's like, okay, that's your why, you know, And whereas that's not my why. So then I would always just want them to know because if you just want to be a model for the sake of like you just think it's a really cool job to whatever and you get to wear hijab in it when things are not going great and it's not so glamorous what's going to keep you still sticking at it and um yes yeah, so I would definitely just want them to know their own why
0: yeah definitely and when you talk about going into modeling and asking people their why would you when you were initially scouted, did you ever think that oh, this is a bit shallow, or was was that something that you were thinking about, or was it just like yes, this is like a step in the right direction?
1: Mm. In the beginning, I didn't. In the beginning, I was like, wow, this is really important because um, again, I struggled like wearing the hijab and being able to wear like comfortably shop and still keep up with trends and feel good about myself. Uh, with ease and it was again it was it was a bit more tricky back then and um, and also there was all this in a way politics around it because it was like something new and then you had people arguing against it arguing for it and it was like a way of educating people about the hijab so there's been I did more consultancy I'd say than modeling in the first couple years <laughs> of my career so I, I do I do see that in, initially. It was really good. It was really important, and um, and also of course it encouraged women as well to feel comfortable and beautiful in hijab. I had a woman uh, in France actually say that her daughter couldn't get a job. She's from like a small village, and um, they were protesting outside of a H and M shop, saying like, "How have you got a model in a hijab, but you're not hiring us?" And then that particular store started to hire women in hijab, and so I was like, "Wow, this is great!" You know, <laughs> this th- these are the things, the moments that I'm like. This is why it's important. But then, like anything, over time, you know, we evolve. Things things change. And is the message still as important to just be seen in a hijab? Yes, but there ne- I think there needs to be more to it now, you know. Like initially, it's like with anything, even in film, we're like, we want representation. So just having like a Pakistani guy or an Arab guy in the background, it's like, yeah, we've got representation. Now it's like, okay, we need better representation. We want more. Otherwise, we're just going to be stagnant. If we think it's enough to just just wear a hijab and be seen. That's enough. Like, how would we, how do we continue growing, basically?
0: Yeah. And going in that direction of growing and evolving, what would you say the biggest part of your job is? So what is it that you actually enjoy about your job?
1: I actually enjoy doing like panels and even this, like even a podcast. I really enjoy speaking about just important things. <laughs> that for me is the part that I enjoy. I do like the shoots as well because it's always fun. Again, that's just me being a girl, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, we dress up and then we look at the pictures, it's amazing. So of course I like that. Um that's a more I guess for my more superficial side, let's just say. But then with in terms of what I like that has more depth to my work, it would be um, like this type of stuff but you know that's being said of course a shoe in fashion can also hold a lot of weight you know they say a picture has it holds a thousand words and so sometimes that alone uh is is really powerful but again I just think that because in the beginning of the career it was so new and now it's not as new anymore it's like ah it, is it really enough and on set
0: do you kind of do your own hijab or are there stylists or how does that work
1: most of the time I, d- I do style my own hijab, but then some, t- some rare cases that uh, there's a girl called Himera actually, and she's a hijab stylist. So she, I've, I've done um, a couple of sh- shoots with her where she's been the hijab stylist. So it depends. And in like Turkey, when I've done shoots there, there's a hijab stylist always uh, for the shoots that I've done.
0: Does that feel exciting or like everybody else goes to hair and makeup
1: and then you get like this extra <laughs> little section? How does that feel? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, like, everything's pretty much the same. And then it's just the hijab. is like, oh, you know, a lot of the time I make jokes. I'm like, oh, we don't have to worry about the hair. I'll just have a coffee now. <laughs> just wait. That's it. I'm done. I'm ready to go. So it saves everyone time. No, that sounds
0: amazing. And I think you've opened up the industry in such a special way that people feel that they've got somebody to look up to. They've got the representation. But then now they can go and make their own mark, which mm-hmm. is something that 10 years ago we didn't have. And I think it was in that light of coming out of YouTube, start of Instagram that we've really seen more hijab wearing Muslim women take that hold and say, we we reclaim fashion. Like we've got our part to play in it as well, which at the start, we were like, we're we're trying to just hold on to it. Like we've got a little part that we can still work on. We can layer this. We'll wear maxi skirts. But now we've really honed our skills said, actually we can make things modest in a different way. Um, And we've called out a lot of brands and try to make things more modest and inclusive for us. And um, so, how much of that weight would you provide? Would you say came from having that representation, like yourself, in the campaigns? Uh, how much of what? Sorry, say it again. How much of that pull of, uh, for brands uh, to make more inclusive clothing for hijab-wearing Muslim women came from having people like you in their brands?
1: I think. Definitely. It was, it, it's a combination of obviously one, like the demand from just people, you know, reading comments and just social media in general, seeing what like the everyday Muslim woman wants and seeing the numbers that are attached to that. And then a combination also with uh, hijabi influences, because uh, that bubble was huge, but I feel like it got burst and was open to the mainstream after, I guess, mainstream like H&M and other things happened where it's like, oh, wow, these women have actually been... You know, trying campaigning for this for so long. Like they, they. It's not just. It didn't just happen. You know, in that year. So it was like a build up and um, a combination of, and also designers. Can't forget designers. You know, like Rabia Z in Dubai. She um, had like a, a runway show in New York and stuff. So it's it's been all these women, um, and I'm sure men as well, like designers and and stuff, who have been campaigning for like more modesty in the fashion industry and. Um, to actually just be seen as well and included because we're part of the economy and yet not represented or, or thought about. And talking about
0: like all these people like growing on top of each other, where do you see yourself and your modeling career going in the next couple of years? What are the brands and campaigns that you want to work for? And
1: yeah, we start off there. Where is it that you want to go? So for me, the growth is going towards like sustainable fashion and, and being more ethical because I'm trying to really um embody modesty as as a whole you know even in this i'm i'm doing a course actually on um like the fiqh of women's dress and women's rights as well and looking at like the hijab from a real islamic perspective and then also connecting it to the work i do and and i feel like again dressing modestly that's definitely that's one level that's like the starter pack <laughs> to cover your body but then when we look at modesty and haya on a deeper level, it's 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 the modesty of your soul as well. It's your behavior, it's how you talk, how you spend your money. And I'm trying, obviously, I'm not perfect. This is just it's just still a journey. So I don't want people to be like, hey, I saw you wearing, you know, whatever. <laughs> that brand. But like I would love to move more towards working with brands that are um focused on sustainability and um and like vintage stuff as well, to to promote that element of modesty. And going
0: a step in that further direction so working with more sustainable brands how much of that is rooted in trying to out companies that are not working in sustainable ways but promoting modest fashion
1: See, i've never been like a cancel culture person or exposure culture so i've never been in that space i'm not i'm not the best person to call people out and um, sometimes things just go over my head as well so unless it's like brought to my attention i i, I don't even i can't keep up with everything so I'm probably I'm more of the just focus on what I can do rather than um, like pointing out, I guess, the wrong that other people are doing. Unless something is really like, oh, my God, shocking and whatever, it's maybe. But generally speaking, um, for me, it's just like promoting and shining a light on the good that people are, are doing.
0: Just before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you this one question that I'm hopefully like tying in with the whole season and it's what's one thing you always have to remind yourself about hijab
1: what's one thing I always have to remind myself about yeah go on you tell me yours first
0: I get an idea (laughs) I think for me I always try to remind myself that it's not for anybody else it's for Allah and even though we might try to say oh like I'm just wearing it because I'm Muslim." it's that thing that actually it's linked to a higher being and Allah has asked us to do it and that's why you're wearing it because sometimes it can just become so normal like you just took it on, you put your towel over your head when you answer the door or all these little things but there's actual reason behind you doing that Mm. and I think sometimes you just completely forget about it and it's always good to like bring it back that actually it's for Allah and that's the only reason I'm doing it. Yes,
1: I love that, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> i'm gonna take that <laughs> no that is that's essentially yeah that is um definitely that's a good and also it, it's a reminder for um well your behavior too i'm conscious now. Mm. i'm wearing a hijab obviously people are going to associate me to islam so can my road rage really get that ragey again <laughs> you know just certain things you're just a little bit more conscious of in behavior and language as well and that's a beautiful thing that's what discipline is about you know like we We've got all these mainstream um, platforms and people in fitness and everyone's talking about discipline, discipline from that kind of perspective. But from an Islamic perspective as well, th- th- this is what Allah has given us as tools so that we actually have a way of managing and, and being disciplined through our prayers, through fasting, through the way we dress, um, just general adab. So it's like, yeah. I guess the mixture of your answer and that as well <laughs> <laughs> no definitely and
0: I think it's so important to kind of bring yourself back to the reason of why where it comes from because once it becomes normal you kind of lose that connection with it that thing that makes it you um yeah. and your purpose but just if you have to offer any advice to any hijab wearing woman out there today what advice would you give
1: in regards to wearing the hijab hmm it it actually goes back to just remember why you're wearing it and the more you actually study into the beauty and the importance that it holds the more you want to wear it as well so if anyone's feeling like they're struggling with it just go back to to basics in a way and actually remind yourself why you're wearing it because in islam um like haya i think there's a hadith that says if if every religion has their own kind of distinct characteristic and Islam's one is haya it's shame that's what actually makes a Muslim a Muslim yeah
0: no thank you so much for joining me today Maria mentioned so many interesting things in this episode and I loved this conversation but one thing that really stood out was the why and I don't know if it's just that time of year where you start reflecting on everything and coming into the new year but this year I've done a lot. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I've managed to accomplish a lot of things, tick them off but I keep going back to why and it seems weird because every time I say that I went into journalism I say that it's to create representation and it's to tell the stories that we didn't hear before. But now I keep thinking, why is it that I keep doing this? Is it really that reason? Is there something else that I want from this? And I honestly, I don't know why. Why do I do this podcast? Is it just for something to kill time, to to show that I do something on the side? Or is it because I'm genuinely passionate about sharing the accomplishments of hijab wearing women? And I'm really thinking about it. What do I get from doing this podcast? What do I get from hijabi culture? What do I get from my actual job? Is there any purpose in it? Is there any bigger reason in it? And I'm trying to reflect on that. I'm trying to pay more attention as to why I do things. And is it because I feel fulfilled? Is it because I feel satisfied when I put an episode out there and I hear your feedback? I don't know, but I'd love to know what you guys think. What's your why in life? what is the why behind your dreams and your goals and yeah I'd love to hear what you've got to say so please get in touch and share your thoughts I was just saying to somebody earlier that I don't know a single one of my listeners apart from my sisters I don't know anybody who listens to my podcast so I would love to for you guys to reach out and let me know what you thought of this episode and what it is that connects you with hijabi culture so yeah that's your homework for this week and inshallah I'll see you in the new year. As Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Hijabi Culture Podcast, and I would love to hear your feedback. Please make sure to get in touch with us via Instagram at hijabi culture underscore or you can leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, and Amazon Music. Thank you so much. My name's Halima and this is hijabi culture. Assalamu alaikum.